Most teach that the rapture will occur prior to the Great Tribulation. Well, we will define the rapture, define the Great Tribulation, and respond to some of the objections for a post-tribulation rapture on this edition of the End Time Show. Welcome back, everybody. My name's Dave Robbins. I'm with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. All right, here we go. It's the age-old debate in prophecy, right? Will the rapture occur before or after the Great Tribulation? And what I wanted to do was to start off today by defining the rapture, defining the Great Tribulation, because that's where I think a lot of people kind of get, have some misinterpretation of Scripture really don't really have a misconception of the Great Tribulation. How long is it? What is it? Uh, And that's where they kind of get off a little bit because some of the main teachings teach incorrectly as far as the Great Tribulation is concerned. And then we're going to talk about some objections that you may never have heard before to a post-tribulation rapture. And then I'm going to talk about that Uh, because I'm going to answer some of them. So, uh, let's see first if we can't define the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15-17, the Bible says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So in verse 17 here, the term caught up in the original Greek is harpazo, which means to seize or to snatch away. So this is going to be a physical event. It's not going to be a spiritual rapture. It's going to be a physical event where our bodies are changed from mortal to immortal, and we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 51. Let's go down to verse 53. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound... And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30 through 31, And then shall appear the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a sound, a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to to another. That event only happens one time in the near future. Some people have taught that that happens twice, or that there are several um, raptures or several uh, parts to the rapture. 
But when the Lord comes back and sends His angels to gather His elect, that only happens one time in the future. Okay? So the rapture is the event where the Lord will come in the clouds. Revelation 1-7 says, Every eye will behold Him. And He's going to send His angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather the saints up to Him. And it's at that time when the saints will be changed from mortal beings to immortal beings, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that's the rapture, folks. Well, some teach the rapture will occur prior to the Great Tribulation. So you say, well, what in the world is the Great Tribulation? Because I've had people just ask me, I, when, you say, when you guys talk about Great Tribulation and all these other different biblical terms, I really don't understand that. So the Great Tribulation is when Satan will pour out his wrath against Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ for three and a half years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. It's very important that you understand the Great Tribulation is only three and one half years. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Jesus said that this time, this time when Satan would um, come down and persecute, or, or would it ha- there would be the greatest time of tribulation, that this would be the greatest time of tribulation or persecution the world has ever experienced or will ever experience. So, the question is, and, well, our topic of discussion today is whether the rapture occurs before or after this great tribulation period, this three and a half year period of Satan's wrath. So what I want to do on today's program today, I don't know if I've ever come at it from this angle, but I, I, I just want to respond to some of the pre-tribulation rapture, rapture teachings today. There are many teachings out there from every different angle of people saying, well, the rapture happens prior to the great tribulation. So I'm just going to respond to many of them today, because it's important that we understand the truth of this teaching, not from a, a, a religious book, but from the Bible. That is very, very important. A lot of people, when they try to talk to me about a, a pre-tribulation rapture, they'll say, well, so-and-so wrote a book and it said this, or in Clarence Larkin's book, he says this, or in this a religious book that I have, it says this, or in this documentary, or a, um, a uh, not a documentary, uh, blah, 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 blah. let me see here, it is called a, um, like a, 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 a deal that helps the Bible, I'm trying to think of the word for it right now, but uh, people's commentary, a, a, a biblical commentary, the commentary said that, well, that's not what we're talking about here today, we're going to go straight to the scriptures and walk right down them. And I'll respond to some of these uh, pre-tribulation teachings. Because, in my opinion, the Bible teaches a post-tribulation rapture. So, we're going to get off. And the first one I'm going to comment on is, and I might run up to a break here, but then we'll start right off into this afterwards, is that there is a study of of the ancient Jewish wedding and the seven feasts that prove a pre-tribulation rapture. I've heard all the theories, and I wanted to comment on that today because there is kind of a, in the Jewish feast 
theory and or the the uh, the seven feast theory and the Jewish wedding theory, there's a common denominator that seems to appear in all of these uh, positions on when the rapture occurs. And so I'm going to comment on that theory. I'm going to I'm bumping up against a break here, so we'll comment on it after the break. But I want to make sure that you understand that the ancient Jewish wedding and the seven feast, the the pre-tribulation rapture position does not prove a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay? So I'm going to comment on that. That would be the first one I comment when we get back from the break. And you say, well, Dave, you're being controversial. Not trying to be controversial today. I'm just offering my opinion on um, these belief systems. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now available for pre-order at endtime.com slash ABC. Go to endtime.com slash ABC or call 800-END-TIME. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more end-time Bible prophecy than any other. Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem, where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, Baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody. And you saw the Israel tour commercial there. And wow, what a time that we've had on the tours over the years uh, in Israel. And so if, I know a lot of you there, we've had a lot of inquiries lately, but uh, everybody's kind of trying to make up their mind whether they want to go. Well, if you want to go, we've got some spots open. And so uh, call in and talk to Brittany Motes or to my wife, Jana, 
and get your spot reserved today. They're going to be ticketing here before long, and so you certainly will want to get in on that and um, get set for a trip of a lifetime, really. It's something you absolutely will never forget. And those of you that have been with us on our Israel tours, you know what I'm talking about. The, the wonderful spiritual experiences and all of the main sites, our Jerusalem Prophecy College. Uh, you'll get to meet Devorah Ganani with the Jewish Agency, get to see what all we're doing. We'll go out to the West Bank. We'll go to Bethlehem. We'll go to the Shepherd's Fields. I mean, everything. We tie it all in together. And uh, we'll, we'll start early in the morning, and we'll go all the way till in the evening. We'll feed you dinner, and then we'll put you in bed, and we'll get up running the next day. It's a blast. So if you ever want to go to Israel with us, now's the time. Call 1-800-363-8463 and get signed up today. Now, does the ancient Jewish wedding and the seven feasts prove a pre-tribulation rapture? Well, most of these positions center around the belief that the tribulation lasts for a seven-year period. Whenever I've heard these positions, they'll all say, we're going to be taken, then there's a seven-year period, then this happens, and, and I'm like, well, there is a final seven-year period, but there's no such thing as a seven-year tribulation. There's not one scripture in the entire Bible that describes a seven-year tribulation period. Every description of the great tribulation that Jesus spoke of in the Bible teaches that it lasts for only three and one-half years. You look at um, Daniel 7.25. Daniel referred to it as time, times, and the dividing of time. Time is one year, times is two years, and the dividing of time is a half a year. So it's three and a half years. Daniel tells us that very plainly. Uh, Daniel 12.1-7 is another um, depiction of a three and a half year tribulation. Revelation 11, 3 through 12. John referred to it as 1,203 score days, 1,260 days, three and a half years. In Revelation 12, 6, uh, Revelation 12, 7 through 12, Revelation 12, 13 through 17, and Revelation 13, 5 through 7. In um, Revelation 13, 5 through 7, John describes it as, the Bible says, and power was given unto him, the Antichrist, to continue for 42 months. That's three and one half years. So every time the Bible talks about the length of the Great Tribulation, it's three and one half years. Now, I wanted to cover this here because the, there's a, the misunderstanding about a seven-year Great Tribulation comes from Daniel uh, 9, 27, which speaks of a covenant that will be confirmed for a seven-year period. This verse teaches that the abomination of desolation will occur halfway through the seven-year period. Jesus said that the abomination of desolation would mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Uh, Matthew 24, 15-21. So from this we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Great Tribulation only lasts for three and one-half years. Daniel 9, 24-27 prophesied of Daniel's 70 weeks and the final seven-year period. But Jesus specifically said that the Great Tribulation only lasts for a three-and-one-half-year period. The, the abomination of desolation would mark the beginning of that three-and-one-half-year period. So at that point, most of the pre-tribulation rapture theories that I've heard kind of just vanishes in thin air, right? Because 
There's no such thing as a seven-year tribulation. They said we're going to be raptured, then there's a seven-year period, and then the second coming will occur. But if there's no seven-year great tribulation, then what happens to those theories? Okay? Now, again, I'm just here to kind of give a, 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 an opinion to some of these pre-tribulation theories that are out there. And the next one would be, and that I've heard, is that in Revelation 3.10, that believers are promised to be kept from the hour of testing that is about to come upon the whole earth. So they would say uh, that Revelation 3.10 is cited by some as proof of a pre-tribulation rapture. But the, the passage says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, some do contend that as God protected the church of Philadelphia, which is what this letter is written to here from, tempt, uh, from temptations that would come upon the whole world, so shall he protect us from the great tribulation. And some people actually think Revelation 3.10 is pertaining to the great tribulation. But this passage was simply a message to the Philadelphian church that John had oversight of after he was released from exile on the Isle of Patmos. There's a similar passage written back in uh, to the church of Smyrna back in Revelation 2.10. It said, um, The devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. So does that mean that these were all written during the same time period here to seven churches on the earth? at the time uh, when John was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos. So does that mean, because of Revelation 2.10, that the Great Tribulation is only going to be 10 days? Well, of course not. Because I just, I just showed you how the Great Tribulation is three and one half years. So again, this is a message to one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, which John would oversee after his release from exile. It is not talking about uh, or referring to the time period that we are in. This is not, the uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are not written to the church ages. There are some things we can glean, the modern, modern day church can glean from these teachings, of course. But this is not written to the church ages. These letters were written by John out on the Isle of Patmos to seven specific churches that existed 2,000 years ago when he was here. Uh, so it's very important that we understand the timing of these things and of course, if I have time, we'll get off into Revelation 119, which gives the segmentation of the book of Revelation. John writes the things which you have saw, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. Revelation 2 and 3 are the things which are, the things presently that were in existence at the time of John. So it's very important that we understand these things because it helps us when they come to some of these different theories that are kind of floating around. The next one would be that uh, in Thessalonians 5, Verse 9, that Christians are promised not to face God's wrath on earth or in eternity because Christ bore on the cross once and for all on their behalf. Okay, so I totally agree with that. But it is, it is a commonly taught theory that the Great Tribulation is the wrath of God. And that's a huge misconception when you're trying to figure out Bible prophecy the timing of different things, and when the rapture is going to happen. The Bible teaches the opposite of that. It's not the wrath of God. When the Great Tribulation ends, 
This is when the this is when God's wrath begins. One of the events that takes place during the wrath of God is that the sun, the moon, and the stars will go dark. It's described in the sixth seal over in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 through 17. It specifically calls it the wrath of God. Well, the sun, the moon, and the stars going dark is also spoken of by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Only Jesus gives us the timing. He says, in, he says that it occurs immediately after the Great Tribulation. So it lets us know. I mean, according to Jesus, the wrath of God is not the Great Tribulation. But rather, the wrath of God occurs after the Tribulation. Revelation 12, 7 through 17, describes the events of the Great Tribulation. And this can be proven by comparing it with other passages in the Bible that speak of a three and one half year period of time, or 1260 days, again, 42 months, time, times, and half a time. Verse 12 calls the Great Tribulation the time of Satan's wrath. Read about the war in heaven, and you'll see what I'm saying in Revelation 12. The Bible says, when the war in heaven happens, Satan is defeated, and he's bound to the earth. The Bible says, hey, in verse 12, Therefore rejoice you that are in heaven, and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth because, and of the sea, because Satan has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. So, God does not persecute his own people. Totally agree with that. However, Satan does. And it's, un, it's very important you understand that the, wrath, uh, the Great Tribulation is not the wrath of God. Some people kind of slide right over that and say, well, God's not going to beat up his bride and all these different things. No, I totally agree with that. But the Great Tribulation is not God beating up anybody. It's persecution by Satan the Antichrist and the world governing body, and the Pope and the Catholic Church in the end time. And if you understand what's, what happens in the mother of harlots and all her daughters, which we'll talk about that. Uh, we've talked about it many times. But we'll talk about that in the future. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Rome is ma- mainly what I'm talking about. So another one that we talk about uh, that, I, that I've heard many times, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 teaches that God's people are not appointed unto God's wrath. Well, I'll give you another viewpoint of that. The post-tribulation rapture teaching agrees with this. And as I just proved, the great tribulation is not the wrath, not God's wrath, it's Satan's wrath. History records, now think about this, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred. So saints today are not immune from trials, temptations, and persecutions of Satan. There are Christians and Jews. Remember, the Great Tribulation will be uh, doled out on by Satan and his minions here on the earth by are on uh, Israel, the woman with 12 stars around her head, and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the church. And so it's very important that we understand that saints today are not immune. There are Christians and Jews that are being persecuted around the world as we speak. They're, they're being put to death. But yet we think, well, we're going to escape all this and, you know, the Lord's going to collect His church up out of here and then, well, no, there's people that have been persecuted for Christians that have, and Jews that have been persecuted for thousands of years now, folks. 
So to think the greatest time of that persecution in the near future, that we would be taken out because God's protecting us, because somehow we're worthy, there's simply no scriptures for that. And so it's the persecutions of Satan, not the wrath of God. It has been said that God wouldn't beat up, I've heard this many times, God will not beat up his bride before marrying her. Well, that is certainly true. He wouldn't, but Satan would. Again, 11 of the 12 of the first apostles were martyred. So, if God was going to protect us from any kind of persecution, why did he allow that to happen? Okay? you got to make sure you get these things right as we go through here, because we want to teach and understand and know the truth for the times just ahead. Now, the next one uh, that many people teach is that Christ's appearing is a blessed hope for believers. So, is Christ appearing? We're going to be taken out of here. We don't have to suffer anything, right? Well, Titus 2.13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice it says appearing, not appearings, plural. His appearing, singular. Jesus' return is something that believers absolutely should look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. It is the blessed hope. I mean, I absolutely agree. Christ appearing singular is the church's blessed hope. However, some pre-tribulation rapture theorists have taught that there is a there is a one second coming, but that it happens in two phases. And uh, I obviously find that to be a stretch, right? I mean, they believe the first phase is for his church. It's the rapture, also called the, the quote-unquote, some people would call it the secret coming. And then the second phase is, remember I said there's only one appearing, singular. But they would say the second phase is Matthew 24, 31's gathering of just the Jews, which they call the glorious appearing, the second phase. It occurs at the end of the final seven years. Now, there is some scriptures which are in conflict with that theory. Titus 2, 11-13, again, instructs the church to live righteously in this present world right up until, not the secret coming, but the, but the glorious appearing. That's Titus 2, 11-13. Well, 1 Peter 1, 5-7 teaches that trials and temptations will continue for the church all the way up until, not the secret coming, but the glorious appearing. So, the rapture Jesus prophesied about in Matthew 29, or 24, 29-31 is not just for the Jews, it is for the Jewish-Gentile church mixed, and that rapture will occur immediately after the tribulation of those days. So, wow, we're going to get a lot more detailed after we get back from the break, so don't touch that dial. Uh, great topic today. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. 
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Well, welcome back, everybody. And I, I, I do want you to understand here that my intentions are pure. I want to know the truth. I want to teach the truth. And when you look at many of these verses in here and you tie all the scriptures in together, you can see that there is only one appearing in the very near future. And, that the, and we'll talk about this if I have time today, if I get down to it that the rapture and the second coming, the rapture, the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, and the second coming, where he comes to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, it's all one continuous event. He gathers the saints, both alive and dead, out of their graves and those that are alive, up to him. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. We go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. That's Revelation 19. And so it's not, there's not a seven-year uh, Sabbath in between all that, or a seven-year, uh, you know, marriage, and then you know the, the bride is with the groom, and then all this other stuff in between all that, and then he comes back, and that's all how that all happened. I, I'm just trying to tell you, Revelation 19 gives it all in chronological order. We, he gathers together everybody unto him. The marriage of the Lamb has is come. The bride hath made herself ready. We have the marriage supper. She's been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then the rest of the chapter, we go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. We are the armies of heaven, the saints are, that go with him to fight on behalf of Israel. It's one continuous event. There's not a seven-year stretch in between there. And that's why I wanted to cover the seven-year part all the way at the very beginning and talk about the Great Tribulation, the timing of it all, because it's very important we get all these things worked out, right? So let me go, let me answer a few others, uh, provide an answer for that, or just kind of a response. I've heard people say that Noah and his family were spared the wrath of God, as was Lot, because they were righteous in God's sight by faith, and therefore that proves there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, in Matthew 24, 37, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It's offered as a proof of the pre-tribulation rapture by some, but it is explained that God helped His His chosen escape the great tribulation of the flood. 
which was in fact God's wrath. And so likewise shall he rapture his church from the coming great tribulation. However, he did not bring Noah into heaven to avoid the flood. Okay? It's an interesting point to consider. Furthermore, the coming of the Son of Man, to which the days of Noah were being compared, was the coming just described in Matthew 29, 31, earlier on in the chapter, Matthew chapter 24, 29 through 31, which the passage specifically says will take place immediately after the Great Tribulation. So you, you can't liken Noah getting saved from the flood to, hey, there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. Because that's a, there's a big stretch there, right? Now you can, you can understand what I'm saying. Because Jesus is not going to contradict himself later on in the chapter when he says the rapture occurs immediately after the tribulation of those days in Matthew 24, 29. He's not going to go a few verses down and then say, but like it was in the days of Noah, uh, when I kept him from the flood, then I'm going to rapture my church out of here prior to the great tribulation. It's not, he's not, it's, that's not going to happen because there are no verses in the Bible that contradict each other. There may be a misconception or a misinterpretation, but the Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. So if somebody's confused about this stuff, it's not God. Now we know that for a fact, right? So um, let me get to another one. Many have taught no man knows the, the hour of Christ's return, even though his second coming is easily understood to be seven years after the beginning of the tribulation. Now this is what some are teaching. And three and a half years after the Antichrist breaks the peace covenant. Well, Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, But of the day and hour knoweth, that's with E-T-H on the end, knoweth, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So, knoweth is the present tense form of the word know. 2,000 years ago, they couldn't understand. None of the apostles understood. They couldn't. It was impossible. Because some of the nations that Daniel prophesied about weren't even here on the earth yet. So, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, when, the Bible says, When they therefore were come together... They asked Jesus and saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? They didn't understand at that time. He said unto them, no, it's not given for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. He didn't say, nobody will ever know. He was saying, you, it's not given to you guys. And so it wasn't time for them to know. You say, well, who's going to understand this stuff then? Well, in Daniel 12, 9, Daniel was seeking and asking the Lord, what, what, when's all this stuff going to happen? And the Lord said, Daniel, you go thy way. For the words of this book are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And so we know now that we can understand the writings of Daniel. We understand the empires and the kingdoms and the modern-day nations and the Antichrist and Daniel's 70 weeks and all of these different prophecies. We understand all that stuff. The Great Tribulation in Daniel chapter 12. So now we can understand because God told Daniel, close up and seal this book. It's for the people of the time of the end. None of the apostles understood that. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 through 6. Um... Daniel, or I'm sorry, uh, the Apostle Paul 
said, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Because he, he knew they couldn't understand. For yourselves know perfectly that the day comes, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, he's talking to us, you, brethren, not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. The apostle Paul was prophesying that there would be people that the Lord's return would not overtake them as a thief. You getting this? And he says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. You're not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not watch as do others, but let, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So, again, the apostles did not understand Daniel's prophecies. So, they couldn't know the times and the seasons, but we can. The apostle Paul said, you're not of the night that that day would overtake you as a thief. Okay? And, of course, we know that many of the uh, prophets, including Jesus, said that we would understand these prophecies. Now, God, uh, another one that I've heard here, um, a theory. God doesn't use the church to evangelize during the Great Tribulation, but He uses the, just, just the two witnesses and even an angel speaking from heaven. So some have taught this is significant because it means that the Great Commission, as far as the church is concerned, is over once the final seven-year period starts. So if the church was still present and functioning, then they would be the central component of gospel proclamation, right? Well, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 states that during the tribulation, Satan will also persecute Christians. Uh, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. The woman's Israel with the remnant of her seed, which have which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who are those that will be here during the Great Tribulation who have the testimony of Jesus Christ? It's the church. And Daniel 7, 9 said after this, um, the, the, the Daniel chapter 7 is the great end time revival chapter. Daniel 7, 1 through 8, Daniel sees a vision of the 144,000, uh, a remnant of Jews that will be saved in the end time. But in Daniel 7, 9, after John saw that vision, immediately the next verse he says, well, after this, I'll be held in low. Now he's seeing a vision of heaven in the future. He said, after this, I'll be held in low, a great multitude which no man could number. Here it is, out of all kindreds, nations, peoples, and tongues... So not just Jews. They stood before the throne, before the Lamb. They clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Then if you go down to verse 13 through 14, it says, I am one of the elders answered and said unto John, Hey, John, what are these which are arrayed in white robes, and where would they come from? And John said unto him, uh, I don't know. Thou knowest. And the, the elder looked at John and said, These are they, these individuals, the Jews and the Gentiles, People out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation. A multitude no man could number. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the church will be here during the great tribulation. There's not one scripture 
that says there are, I've heard the term, hey, no, those are rapture saints, they've been raptured, and then there's a separate group of tribulation saints. But there's not one scripture for that. There's just one church, there's one bride, there's one rapture. Remember, the Bible says his appearing, singular, and it occurs after the great tribulation. Okay? Now, I've also heard another point brought up um, that the focal point of the final seven years of Daniel's 70 weeks is just Israel and not the church. Well, in Daniel 9.24, it does say that 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. So the decree during the 70th week is for your people and your whole city. It's, it's a clear reference to Daniel's Jewish brethren only, right? So if you stop right there, then you can say, well, hey, there's not going to be any, there's not going to be in any Gentile church members here. They're all going to be gone. However, it's just like studying any other topic in the Bible. Uh, salvation, uh, the oneness of God, holiness, uh, I mean, any topic in the Bible, any doctrinal topic, anything, you've got to tie every scripture into the equation, right? Because when you think you got something figured out, there's always a verse way over here in the New Testament or way back there in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. And when you read that, you thought, oh, man, I thought I had this whole thing figured out until I read that. So when you tie all the verses that pertain to this topic together, then you can see that the final seven years, that there will be many, many, many Jews saved. However, there will also be Gentiles saved at that point. Remember, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 14. A multitude no man could number out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation that stood before God in the future that came out of the great tribulation. Now, concerning this, there are other prophecies that tell us that during the great tribulation period, God will send His two witnesses. We do know that. That's Revelation chapter 11. So these two great preachers are going to preach all during the final three and one half years in spite of the great tribulation. The two witnesses will lead a time of great revival. They're not going to be doing it by themselves. Revelation 7.4 prophesies a great Jewish revival during this time. And then Revelation 7.9-14 foretells a great Gentile revival. So the early church revival was composed of Jews and Gentiles together. The Apostle Peter was the Apostle to the Jews while the Apostle Paul was the Apostle to the Gentiles. And according to Revelation 7, another Jewish Gentile revival will happen once again. How's that going to be possible? Because God moves through His church. And so you and I are given a great commission. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto the whole world. Then the end will come. The end of the age when the Lord will come back to rapture His church. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. 
Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. Okay, everybody, uh, I'm going to dive right back off into it because I only have so much time here. We'll see how many we can get done before the end of the uh, program here. Many, there are many who hold the, to the pre-tribulation tradition that contend that the elect that are raptured in Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 31, that that only is referring to the Jews, that that's not the church. Many of you may have heard that. But this, cont- this contention is simply a, it's, it's, well, it's just simply untrue. It's a misconception. The word elect appears, I think, 13 times in the New Testament. It refers um, to angels it, and, and to Jesus. And the other times, it, there is a time when it refers to an elect lady that Paul was referring to. But the rest of the times, it's referring to the church. Uh, Romans eleven seven clearly depicts the church as the election opposed to the Jews. It says, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So it makes a clear separation here. Israel and the church, the election. Israel's not the election. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold up. Well, the church is the election. Now, some are uh, some attempting to explain away this truth. They cite examples that in the Old Testament where Jews were called the elect. Well, of course, the Jews were referred to the elect in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the church, which is composed of both Jew and Gentile, is the elect. So, in an attempt to explain away Matthew 24, 29-31, some have contended uh, Matthew 24 was addressed to the disciples who were Jews, not to the church. However, the Apostle Paul clearly taught in Ephesians 2, 19-20, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. Now, it says, um, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, to say the apostles were not in the church when they were the foundation of the church defies logic, doesn't it? So, there's one more thing that we have to notice about Matthew 24. The Great Tribulation begins in verse 21. Then Jesus warned the church against following false messiahs during the Tribulation. And he said in verse 23 through 26, he said, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, and there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in um, the desert. Don't go. Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Believe it not. 
So it's obvious if the church was going to be gone during the Great Tribulation, there would have been no need for Jesus to warn His disciples not to follow false messiahs during the Great Tribulation, right? What's the point in warning them if we're going to be gone? He went on to explain that He would just not appear on the earth as He did at His first coming. He's not going to be born in a stable and laid in a manger. He explained what His second coming would be as described in verse 27. He says, For as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So why would He be, tell, why would he be warning them about a, um, a coming false messiahs and different things if they were going to be gone? Now, another point that I've heard is that those who advocate a pre-tribulation rapture adamantly contend that Paul taught in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5-10 through 10, that the church and the Holy Ghost must be removed from the earth before the Antichrist could be revealed. Well, I think they ignore the fact that Paul had just taught the opposite in the previous four verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1-4. through 4. He had just said that the rapture could not happen until after the Antichrist was revealed. And they contend that Paul turned right around and contradicted what he just taught in verses 1 through 4. So, let's see, how do we do that? Let's, so let's examine 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through 10. Let's go to the New King James Version to do that. It says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. That's very, very important. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restraineth do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness one and the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive a love for the truth that they might be saved. So the entire argument for this objection is based on verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The proponents of this position claim, with no proof, they just claim this, that the he who restrains is the church and the Holy Spirit. Right? It's not mentioned here. But we've already illustrated above that Paul had just said the church will remain, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-4, that the church will remain on the earth until after the Antichrist is revealed. So consequently, the he who restrains cannot be the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, what, what does... Um, because if you look at um, what? The two witnesses. The two witnesses are going to be here during the Great Tribulation. We know that for a fact. So are we saying that they don't have the Holy Spirit? What about all of the Jews and Gentiles that will be saved? Will they not have to receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter and see the kingdom of God. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. If the Spirit's taken away, how does all that happen? Well, in fact, it doesn't. It's going, the Holy Spirit's going to be here. The church is going to be here. You say, no, no, no. The Antichrist won't be able to do what he does if the Holy Spirit and the church is here. 
Folks, 11 of the first of the 12 apostles were martyred. How did that happen? The church was here. Look at all the millions of Christians that have been martyred over the, from, in the last 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit's been here the whole time. How did that happen? You've got to think about it. You've got to ask yourself these questions. So the church and the Holy Spirit has been here the whole time. And there have been people persecuted from the very beginning of the church in the New Testament. And yet we think, well, the church has got it, the church and the Holy Spirit has to be gone before the Antichrist can come on the scene. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. So you say, well, then what does restrain then? Well, verse 6 tells us explicitly what is restraining the Antichrist from being revealed. It says, and now you know what is restraining, that he might be revealed in his own time. It is the time clock of God that is restraining. Uh, let me give you an example of this. Back in Galatians 4, verse 4, it tells us that Jesus could only come when it was time. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. So just as Jesus could not come until it was time, the Antichrist cannot be revealed before it is time. He must be revealed in his own time. Okay? Verse 6 is the answer to all this. Now, man, i got to see if i got time for any more here. Um, so uh, many, many will contend that, no, there's got to be a pre-tribulation rapture because the Lord's going to come as a thief. In 1 Thessalonians 5.2, the Apostle Paul wrote, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And I agree with that. To many, he will come as a thief in the night. And those believing in a pre-tribulation rapture, they contend that if the Lord is coming as a thief in the night, the post-tribulation teaching cannot be right. I mean, if he's coming after the tribulation, they say that then his coming won't be as a thief in the night. We will know when to expect him. Well... The answer to this question is given by Paul two verses later in the same chapter. Again, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 5, Paul said, But you, brethren, are not, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you as a thief. Many people stop reading when the Apostle Paul says, you got, Everybody knows that the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. And then they stop reading. But if you continue to read down, Apostle Paul said, you guys aren't in darkness, that that day were to overtake you as a thief. He's talking to us now. He said, you're all, you're not, you're all children of the light. You're not children of the, you're children of the day, not of the uh, night or of the darkness. So watch and be sober. There will be people that understand and know in the end time. Can I give you the exact hour? No, I cannot. Can I give you the day? At this point, no. Can I give you the uh, a date? Absolutely not. But I can know the seasons and the times. And I can know when it's getting very, 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 very close. You say, well, man, that's going to put, going to put the church in a state of lethargy. Why? You've got a great commission. We should be up and about our Father's business and teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I don't need a rapture hanging over my head that could happen this afternoon for me to be up and energized and be an evangelist throughout the world. I don't need a rapture hanging over my head. I simply know that I will know the seasons and times when it will come and that I am preparing as many people as I can for that day 
to come. And I'll be honest with you. I want the rapture to happen, but in a way I don't. Not right now. And you say, well, Dave, that doesn't make any sense. Look at all the people that are not prepared to go. Can you honestly say you want it to happen right now? I mean, we've got a lot of people to reach. End Time Ministries headquarters is right here on George Bush and Jupiter in Plano, Texas. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of cars that go by on George Bush every day, flying by here, 70, 80 miles an hour. And sometimes I'll look out my window and think, how many of them people are not ready to meet the Lord? And if you're a true soul winner, your heart goes out to them and says, how can we reach them? What more radio programs can I get on? What more television programs can I get on? How can we have a bigger presence on the Internet to reach these people with the gospel of the kingdom of God? So yes, on one hand, I want the Lord to come and get us out of this mess. But on the other hand, I'm saying, Lord, you see all these people. And you know they're not ready to go. And Lord, help us to reach them with the gospel of the kingdom of God. So that way they too can have an opportunity to know you and be prepared for your second coming. So I wrestle with these things in my spirit because I want to go to be with him. I want to see my father-in-law again, Irvin Baxter. I want to see my loved ones that have gone on before me. Yes, I want to get out of this mess. I'm tired of paying taxes and inflation and high gas prices and groceries and food and the travel and all this. But the thing is, I've got family members that are not saved. Can you honestly say you'd love the Lord to come today, knowing that our people still are lost? I mean, I'm, I wrestle. I Honestly, I'm being transparent with you. I wrestle inside. I want the Lord to come, but I also want to see a lot more people saved. So, God help us all to be charging straight forward with the Great Commission and to say, I know about when these things are going to come to pass, And it puts a sense of urgency in me. I've got to reach this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. I've got to be that ambassador that he wants me to be and to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. God bless. 